Welcome to Agatha Christie, She Watched, our spoiler-heavy look at the movie and TV adaptations of the mystery genre's greatest writer. I'm Bill Peschel of Peschel Press, publishers of the annotated novels of Agatha Christie, and today we're talking about Abandoned Children, Poisonous Inhalers, Missing Miss Marple, and Wooden-Faced Police Officers. It's The Great Actress Murder Case, the 2018 Japanese adaptation of the mirror cracked from side to side. But first, let me introduce my partner in marriage, as well as crime with the fictional kind, Teresa Peschel. Hello, Teresa. Hi, Bill. It's always so much fun to be here in your little office under the stairs discussing Agatha Christie. And in this case, with the great actress murder case, that's the mirror cracked, we got something that I've only seen once before. And talk about putting old wine in new bottles. As with Sparkling Cyanide in 2003, the producers turned The Mirror Cracked, a Miss Marple film, into a police procedural. And it works! It works! They also, by the way, completely removed any trace of Miss Marple. There are no old ladies floating about solving the mystery. They did a lot of changes to the lesser characters. Dolly Bantry, in particular, is completely gone, so she's no longer selling the house to Marina Gregg. Instead, it turns into Heather Badcock. And by the way, because this is a Japanese adaptation, I am not going to mangle anyone's names, and I'm going to stick with the names that we're all familiar with. I was just floored. A Miss Marple novel became a successful police procedural. And they even gave flashbacks at the beginning, but you were getting the dates on the screen. This is what happened on the 5th of March. This is what happened on the 6th. This is the 7th. This is the 8th. One of those dates, by the way, was they wrote March 3rd when what they meant was March 8th. But you're watching even CSI stuff as the you've got Japanese forensic technicians on the scene using magical analysis machines to detect what the poison was on the spot. You have a detective, uh, the lead investigator, who is like Warrow in a way, only stiffer and less genial, young and obviously very high on the Asperger's scale, with his assistant, his female assistant, and his eager young sidekick from the provinces. And he is channeling Warrow and Miss Marple like you wouldn't believe. And yet, at the same time, he's very much his own person. And the entire underlying story is there. I was amazed at how much they changed, and yet how it was still all absolutely there. The story itself, for those of you who haven't seen it, it concerns Marina Gregg, who is this famous movie star, this glamorous movie star, who is making a comeback by starring in this movie. And she has a past involving children, which is a, another Agatha Christie trope, if you're familiar with uh, the previous ones, like a murder is announced. She adopted three children in her past because she wanted to be a mother. Yes, she had multiple husbands and multiple lovers as well. This, she's an actress, so you expect that. Right. And then she became pregnant and she gave up the adopted children. Because they weren't real children. And this is the one place where I think the adaptation fell down. But at the same time, you get to see Margot Bentz and her brothers, and in this case, her brother and her sister, whereas in uh, the novel, it was her two brothers. But in the novel, Margot is angry. She is so angry. And when she is finally confronted 
by i can't remember now if it was miss marple or if it was the uh, detective who was uh, investigating the case she says specifically how marina gregg did the cruelest thing to her that one human being could do to another she adopted those kids gave them a home made them feel like they were loved and had a real family and told them that she loved them and then when she became pregnant with a baby of her own she threw them out she didn't care anymore she's still angry her brothers are still angry over what a marina gregg did to her but everyone excuses marina gregg because she's a magical movie star and she's special and so the normal rules don't apply to her well what the great actress murder case did is we actually see for the first time this is the fourth version of the mirror crack that i have seen and the angela lansbury one uh margot bence gets a name credit on internet movie database and she doesn't even show up maybe she's in the background taking pictures in the joan hickson one you get some sense that she might play a role and you get some sense in the marple series and i can't remember now if it's uh, geraldine or uh, julia playing miss marple but you get again some sense that margot has a role to play and then they don't put her on screen they pull back at the last possible minute they pull back to make sure that margot bence does not get a place in the sun because by god you can't say one damn thing against marina gregg because she is so special and she does not have to be judged by the rules that apply to everyone else well here you see margot bence she actually is confronted by the special inspector and you even see scenes where she is being raised as a little girl with her brother and sister as a little kids with marina gregg they are so happy they're they're loved they have a family one of the kids i can't remember now if it is uh, margot or her brother actually says we thought she was our mother because they had been adopted so early on from an institution and then marina becomes pregnant with it was the second husband who by the way abandoned his own son with his previous wife for marina gregg who and this kid also shows up on stage as an adult and claims that he doesn't resent marina gregg for destroying his family marina becomes pregnant and she throws the kids away she sends them away and you see this scene where she is dabbing her eyes tearfully as she sends her children away because now she's pregnant with a baby of her very own a real baby her own genes and this is the one that matters and the others were just a rehearsal i do want to say though what i do want to interject though is that you do feel for the kids oh even absolutely though they make excuses for her or they say that they see who she is as an adult and they see that she is a committed actress that she is flawed and they would rather I think forgive themselves for hating her because that type of hatred is not really conducive. It's not really mentally healthy. You're oh, better I, off really letting it go. I know you should be better off letting it go, but let's face it. It is really darn difficult to let go the past, especially when you've been that deeply wounded. And it did not really ring true to me mm -hmm. that they were able to let it go. And what really made this not ring true for me is at no point 
do we get an explanation for why marina gregg decided she had to throw away children whom she obviously loved and you see that scene on the balcony where she is on the verge of tears as she watches her children being taken away in taxi cabs to go off someplace else and she doesn't say one word about i shouldn't do this i should stop this i wouldn't do this if it weren't for fill in the blank nothing and so the only explanation you can come up with is that marina gregg was using those kids as a dress rehearsal and once she didn't need them anymore well they were just under understudies who cares i always like to think of it as just this is the way the role that she wanted to play and she's playing and that's what one of them says that she was playing the role of the mother and of course when you send your kids away of course you're supposed to be sad you're supposed to act sad it may be too subtle, but that's the way I would interpret it as well, because clearly when they show the kids being bundled off into the taxi cab and they're looking back at her on the balcony mommy, and the mommy. snow is falling and one of them actually says every time it snows, I can't help but not think of that. You can't help but look at that scene and not be affected by it, no matter how they excuse Marina, Marina Gregg. Gregg. I think that's the one consistency among all the versions is that Marina everybody Gregg gets a pass. She because always she's gets a special. pass. <laughs> she, she can destroy lives. She destroys lives and it doesn't matter because she's a movie star. She's, she's rich and famous. Oh, yes. There's that wonderful <laughs> sequence in, in the, Simpsons. Uh, the Simpsons. We should put you away where you can't harm or maim us, but this is L.A. and you're rich and famous. And there we go. Marina Gregg gets a pass, even from this film, which made a point of showing what she did to those kids. No, but it's just like the real world. People people make a pass. They say anything to get what they want, or they say anything to get uh, rather than face the truth. And, well, that's just the way real, you know, human nature is. Well, and I guess also one reason why I'm noticing that, that it didn't, that it rang false to me how all three children, that three of the children, we don't speak to the fourth one. And the kids all came out reasonably successful, too, which is kind of a surprise. I've spent a lifetime reading advice columns, and <laughs> this follows you forever, that the son from the second husband's broken marriage does no, no longer resents Marina, and he's apparently a, a reasonably successful journalist. Yes, he's the sports reporter. The sports reporter. Of the three children that Marina abandoned, they are all now successful adults. Uh, Margot is a photographer. Her second son is a... He's the assistant to the director. He's the assistant to the director, her husband. The youngest is apparently now a TV newscaster. Right. And you can tell if you were paying attention... And this would have been much more obvious to a Japanese audience, and thank God they spelled it out. But when she adopted them, she gave them all similar names of amusing names, poetic names, Little Cricket, Sun on the Water, The Sound of Falling Rain, that sort of name. It was always something that was occurring at the time she was going to name them that struck her. Yes. And they so said she, their, their mother was eccentric. Yes, and their mother was eccentric. And they remember her very, very clearly people don't walk away from this that easily and right now i'm trying and failing to read a lucy score novel things we never got over and all i can think is that every one of marina gregg's children is better adjusted and doing better in their lives in this movie than the novel that i can't read because these people are behaving like such complete utter idiots and they haven't been traumatized anything like 
Marina Gregg's children were. But getting back to the names, this is a reminder that because this is a Japanese production, there are things that we're seeing in here, and this is one of the pleasures of watching these overseas adaptations. We're seeing cultural signifiers that make sense to the Japanese, but that we would never see. And the language here, because Japanese is very complicated, it's a combination of phonetic symbols and ideograms, they literally have to figure out on the fly what certain names mean and is it correctly written in the kanji. So they were able to use this as a way of solving the clue that these children are from Marina Gregg's adoptees. And you saw another one as well when they were lifting the body of the butler. Oh, yes. And the entire police forensic team there must have been 20 people standing around on that veranda the the chief inspector his assistant his eager sidekick from the provinces the local police the forensic team everyone bows their head when the when the body of the butler was being lifted up to being removed they yes. all stopped put and their you, hands together and bowed and you would as a sign of respect to the dead and you would never see that on an <laughs> American police. You don't see that on CSI. <laughs> you would never see that. I don't think they're, they're, they don't, it just doesn't happen. Yeah, but this is what you have. You have a monoculture like the Japanese are. They're, they're very resistant to many outside influences, and this is how the culture. So they do things differently. They do things differently over there. There was something else as well, and I, I wrote it down, and I cannot remember the context, but they express support for each other as a team, like they're all working together and it's just literally saying, I will support you on this. Yes. Yes. That's also something that I've, that we've noticed in the other Japanese adaptations as well. It is a different cultural thing. There was another piece that was really weird. And that was that the Heather Badcock character, she in some ways takes a lot of the place of Dolly Bantry, her and her husband, because it's their house, not the Bantry's house that Marina Gregg buys. And she, she is, she is married I... to her mother's second husband. And, <laughs> and I guess they did that because her mother's family insisted that mom's second husband marry his stepdaughter when she reached majority in order to keep the money in the family. And I thought that was really weird and creepy. <laughs> it was really weird. But it's also, in a way very consistent with another Agatha Christie trope, which is near incest, because you have cousins marrying a lot in her stories. You have cousins marrying, you have these kind of situations going on. Not true incest like they did in Innocent Lies, oh, where God. it was just like, oh, out God. and out, this is time to call social services and the police type of incest. But they would but marriage be, between first cousins keeps the money in the family. Right. It keeps the lines close. Right. And they did this here. And we have to kind of give a little background here because remember, uh, Heather Badcock was the woman who broke quarantine. Slapped with, on makeup slapped to cover the rash. To meet Marina Gregg at, in this case, it was a recital. Apparently she gave a music recital, Marina Gregg, and met her afterwards and accidentally infected her with the Zin virus. Uh, they called it uh, Jicky. Jicky. They the called Jicky it Jicky. Yeah. And the, the, for those of you who don't know, Agatha Christie based the mirror cracked on a real incident in Jean Tierney's life. Jean Tierney was a huge movie star in the forties and she was doing an, uh, she was doing a war support outreach and she had a fan come up to her and fangirl all over her 
Jean Tierney was pregnant at the time, and she didn't know that it was in the early stages, and the fan had German measles, or rubella. The reason why everybody is vaccinated against rubella is not because it is actually a serious disease for adults. But if you infect a woman who is pregnant, the fetus is severely compromised. Uh, you either have a miscarriage, a stillbirth, or you have a severely brain-damaged, sometimes even physically damaged child. That's why we all get our rubella virus, and that's why before they had the vaccine, if you got rubella or German measles, depending on what you want to call it, you were supposed to stay in quarantine. Not because you would make anybody sick who was basically over the age of 10, but for a for a woman carrying a baby, it was devastating. Right. And in this case, I'm looking it up now, the Zika virus does exist, and it's similar to Japanese encephalitis, and it does cause the same kind of um, problems with a pregnant mother that German measles does. And in this case, instead of having the baby live, she miscarried. The baby was stillborn. I, I, the stillborn is kind of, it depends on how far along you are in pregnancy, and I guess doctors would know better the exact definition but in the other shows they would have the child still alive and that was one reason why i think it was in the elizabeth taylor one that she moved there because she it was closer to where she the child was the child. institutionalized right here they just went did away with it completely another update that they did besides making this a police procedural because this is clearly a modern this is clearly a contemporary film everybody has blogs everybody has cell phones is that the Heather Badcock character mentions on her blog how years ago she had been very ill, but she had gone to the Marina Gregg concert anyway and fangirled all over her and got her autograph, and she was so thrilled. And apparently the implication is that Marina Gregg saw this blog post, probably because her name was hashtagged. She saw it and thought, I wonder if there is a connection she wanted to buy their house. She made the point of buying Heather Badcock's house and which, then inviting them to the open house to confirm her suspicion, which means that Marina Gregg, in this particular version, it wasn't a crime on the spur of the moment. It was planned. She was ready to kill Heather Badcock as she found out for sure that it was Heather Badcock who had made her sick. So they did a very nice turn there. By making it a premeditated murder, which she also needed because she was supposed to have this, she liquefied her medicine, Calminol, which was yeah. taken in pills, but she liquefied it and had a dose ready that was like eight times the amount of what she normally took. It's more than enough to kill someone, and she had it in a little eyedrop bottle, and she also needed to have time to put the threatening letters in place. It was very carefully planned. If she murdered Heather Badcock, she would be able to make sure everyone thought, oh, my God, she was the real target. Again, Marina Gregg gets a pass because she murdered not just Heather Badcock for doing something stupid. You know, it was it was stupid and it was wrong, but it wasn't malice. It, it was there was no malice involved. And then she murdered Ella, the secretary who was blackmailing her. And she murdered the butler who was also trying to blackmail her. She murdered three people in all. Remember also, because of she's the star of the movie, every single person connected with the movie who was expecting a paycheck, whose jobs and livelihoods depended on this, that all went away too. 
Yeah, because they canceled the movie at they the end the instead movie. of having Lola Brewster star in it as well and make buckets of money because it would be a scandal. It would be a scandalous movie. <laughs> Obviously, these movie. are not Hollywood movie makers. These are Japanese movie makers. And she gets a pass. Mm. She gets a pass. She commits suicide at the end rather than... And this is another change from the novel because in the novel, it is questionable as to whether Jason Rudd, her husband basically murders her so that she doesn't have to face justice because she's Marina Gregg and she shouldn't have to stand trial. She's special and so she gets to take the easy way out. Well, in this case, she committed suicide, although it is implied that her husband drugged her cocoa. And if she would have drunk the cocoa, she would have died anyway. But this way, she knew she did the one right thing. She made sure it was her hand and that he couldn't be suspected because the drugged cocoa is sitting there untouched. Or maybe she just didn't know and just decided to do it herself anyway. Well, that's possible, too, because we don't know. We don't know. But it was really amazing. This was set up as a police procedural. And you're seeing the police investigate. You're seeing them work out the clues. You almost never in Agatha Christie novels get to see the police working out the clues. And so you see the great detective figuring out by the names who is connected to who. You see that his team is doing research on connections. You see him figuring out what is bothering him about the three threatening letters that Marina Gregg got and then putting clues together until he is able to assemble the, the three threatening letters, reassemble copies, and realizing that all the letters came from the same newspaper the day after they were supposed to have been distributed. That's right. So obviously they were not sent on individual days. They were, it was all done at once. It was all part of a plan to cover up the crime. Although the second one was found by the gardener because he showed where they, where it was found. The morning of. The morning of. So it had to have been, okay. The morning of. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the timing was right the there. The timing might not be quite, <laughs> the, the timing might be a little wonky here, but the idea is that once Marina Gregg saw that blog post from Heather Badcock and realized that it could have been Heather Badcock who made her sick and made her lose her baby. Because it sounds like she was the only one who was near her after the recital. It wasn't like she was in a mob of fans. Yeah, she wasn't in a mob of fans. And this is the fan who admitted, I was sick and I went there to see her. Mm-hmm. This is the one fan who admitted this. And then the stars aligned and she was able to buy the house and invite them as the former owners to the house, to the big Hollywood party and found out, yes, it was Heather Badcock and then poison her with the poison vial that she had ready. This was premeditated from start to finish. Now, the other thing as well is, of course, the reference to the Lady of Shalott, where the line, the mirror cracked from side to side came from, because they refer to this a lot and even show you the painting by John William Waterhouse. Oh, was that Waterhouse? Because I was thinking Rossini. Yeah, we were thinking Rossini. It was one of the pre-Raphaelites. But no, that I've was got the it. name, the pre-Raphaelites, right? Yes. Okay. But yeah, it's the John William Waterhouse, the woman in the boat. It was a poem that uh, Marina Gregg read to the kids. Yes, Alfred, Alfred Lord Tennyson. And this is one of the things that Margot Benz still remembers very clearly. She rem- she developed a love of literature because Marina Gregg read to her and read her the great classics. Mm-hmm. 
they must have had a lot of therapy to get over it to be so calm because this is so out of character. But then again, this is a different culture. It's a different culture. The the expression of emotions is not encouraged. So, I guess, a different culture. You swallow it. You put those emotions into little boxes and swallow them, and, and they stay inside forever keep a mask to the world which is why our main detective and i'll, I'll mangle the name just once because it's uh ryua shokojuji shokokuji probably shokokuji and yes. he is really he is really quite amazing because he is so he is as wooden as can be and sometimes he'll have his hat and he holds his hat in front of his chest in in a very firm position and does not react to anything around except very, very subtly. You really kind of have to pay attention to him. I, I think his most dramatic reaction was when his assistant, his girl assistant, said, oh, I know how someone got up to the veranda. It was oh, parkour. I'll show right. you. And he is, <laughs> the, the mask cracks and he is staring oh my god watching her climb the climb the wall that was really nicely done too it, it was it was very nicely done and when she's back it was the the you know and then he puts the mask back on but for just a moment you see him oh my god she's gonna fall and die <laughs> put it another way he makes spock look like an emo girl okay <laughs> that's how focused he really and he does things like he'll spend the night shuffling through clues looking at videotape looking at photos even though you cannot think if you don't sleep yes but he can do it he's he the, can do it because he's, he's one, special right he's special he's the one who cuts out all the the newspaper uh letters ideograms because all these threatening letters are composites of newspaper cutouts and this is how he figures out that it's from this particular newspaper and it also helps that the butler kept the portion of the newspaper that he's using to blackmail marina with the date on the top and that was like the final final uh, clue that said ah this is all this is all where it came from and i you don't miss miss marple you don't miss Miss Marple at all. This is a Miss Marple property, and you don't miss her now at the, all. The question, though, does become, though, because it, it shifts the focus from there's two types of mystery solving. And this is what Agatha Christie moved towards because she wanted to move away from the clues, using the clues, to the psychological element. This is what Poirot emphasized. And Miss Marple, of course, with her, oh, this reminds me of somebody back home. Yes, that was very psychological. And this was, I guess, psychological and clues. Not nearly as much. I mean, we had a little bit of that in the Roger Ackroyd one where Poirot looks at the manuscript and says, you've hidden yourself in this manuscript quite a lot. This is true. That's the Japanese Roger Ackroyd, by the way, that Bill was just referencing. Yeah, in our previous podcast. But changing Agatha Christie into a police procedural is something we've only seen once before, and that was the, with the 2003 Sparkling Cyanide, which turned into an English football team. It has a lot to recommend it. I was really grooving on that movie until the last 15 minutes when they <laughs> snatched defeat from the jaws of victory and had a completely and utterly stupid ending. And they emasculated the Tony Brown character completely just destroyed him but it really worked setting it up as a police procedural and i kind of thought of that as a one-off that nobody would be able to do another agatha christie as a police procedural and here we are with the mirror cracked and of all of the agatha christies this is probably one of the ones i would have least believed would be in a police procedural particularly involving movie stars and yet here we are yeah 
And it worked. It worked very well. It was really very surprising. And if you go to the, I think it's the Daily Motion website, you should be able to find them still up. And you can see for yourself. Ours ha- our version had uh, subtitles. The imagery wasn't as clear as I would have liked, but you can't have everything. I can't complain because for whatever mysterious reason, uh, they haven't released the movies to streaming services with English subtitles, even though I think there would be a huge English audience for the Agatha Christie film adaptations because the ones that we've seen so far have been really fantastic they're really worth watching oh absolutely and again you see hints of another way of thinking another culture they change things they adapt the story to suit the culture but not actually materially change the story or or denigrate it in any way oh of the ones we've seen they've all been excellent and when i consider what some of the uh uh, (laughs) british productions of agatha christie have been like where they have clearly not paid any attention to the source material and i'm looking at you citiford mystery which was truly terrible and they gave margot bentz a voice of four versions of the mirror crack this is the only one that gives margot bentz a voice like she has in the novel yeah this is the only one and i would say of the four versions that i've seen they're all absolutely worth watching If you want to see what star power is, why someone would slap makeup on, break quarantine, and go fangirl at the stage door, you have to watch the Angela Lansbury version with Elizabeth Taylor. Elizabeth Taylor, Rock Hudson, Tony Curtis, Kim Novak. How could you not want to see How could this? You not really, want to it's see fun that. just for the cat fighting between Kim Novak and Elizabeth Taylor. They had a lot of fun there. But of the versions that I have seen, The Angela Lansbury mirror is the only one that really clearly demonstrates star power. And that is because it is Elizabeth Taylor. And you understand why she is a movie star. The Joan Hickson one had, I think it was Claire Bloom as the Marina Gregg. And Claire Bloom is an actress. She is not a movie star. I mean, it's beautiful. It's very well done, other than, of course, you know, eliminating Margot Bentz. It's very true to the novel, but Claire Bloom is not a movie star, and no one is going to take their Tylenol and slap on makeup and break quarantine to go fangirl at the stage door over Claire Bloom. It just isn't going to happen. Well, you know, I can say, I could see that everybody has their fans, but if you want your audience to see that because like you say of the entire audience who saw that there's going to be like maybe a five percent that would actually say oh wow this is this is good this comes down to this i love to equate it with that elvish word glamour yes glamour as a magical attraction yeah and and elizabeth taylor has it and claire bloom doesn't she does not have glamour and then there's the mirror cracked and i cannot remember if it's i think it's julia mckendrick's the Julia McKendricks version, and they had a they had an actress who was a little better at radiating star power, although I have no idea who it is. And this one was very well done. It was very amusing. You get to see a very I'm thinking Pierce Brosnan. No, he was in the he uh, was in the 1980 version. He was in the 1980 version, and you know it was again very well done. Margot doesn't get much of a role, but you don't get the star power. And then you get the Japanese version, and it is. This is the one where you really get the kid's story, the kid's point of view. And it's told 
so differently because Miss Marple's not in it. It's a police procedural, and yet it gives you again the complete picture. They're all worth watching for different reasons. Okay, it was Julia McKinnon. No, let's do it. They do it with mirrors. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking up mirrors, and it gave me that, and I thought, oh, this is it. And I'm misreading the. (laughs) Doing this on the fly, folks. I'm sorry. The 2009 version, it must be. No, that's they do it with mirrors. Damn it. Stop giving me that. Stop giving me what I don't want. Mirror crack. <laughs> Give me what I want and not what I ask. <laughs> that's right. Well, there's a 2010 version, and that is Julia McKenzie. And McKenzie, okay. It was Julia McKenzie, and I'm trying to find out which one which one she's playing, because I don't have this in order. Oh, Lindsay Duncan. Lindsay Duncan. Never heard of her. Does she have star power? Probably not, because I've never heard of her. And and I'd never heard of Claire Bloom until we saw that film. But I've heard of Elizabeth Taylor. And sometimes that's what you need. You need the biggest movie star in the world. And that's why, if you've ever seen Notting Hill, Hugh Grant and Julia Roberts, Julia Roberts, the biggest movie star in the world, plays the biggest movie star in the world. And if you don't have the baggage that Julia Roberts brings to that part, another actress could not have done that role because you have to feel absolutely in your gut that she is the biggest movie star in the world. That's what makes that movie work. And what makes the Angela Lansbury version, if you really want to understand star power, what makes it work is Elizabeth Taylor because she is the biggest movie star in the world. People still know who she is and she's been dead for years. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only way you could have a bigger movie star would be to have Marilyn Monroe. Well, we're going to be seeing our detective friend again because we're going to go move on to, and then there were none, a four-hour adaptation. It looks to be really different. It's going to be really different. It will take place on an island, but the police play a role much more so. And how we'll see it? Well, we'll, 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 find, we'll out. find out and we'll report back next time. This is uh, Agatha Christie, She Watched, with Bill Peschel. And Teresa, and this was, this is a don't miss. This this is a don't miss, and it's, it's a really great education in story writing and filmmaking to see all four versions of The Mirror Cracked and see what the director and the scriptwriter chose to emphasize or de-emphasize. It, this, it's just fascinating to see how many ways you can tell a story and to see a Miss Marple novel done without Miss Marple as a police procedural, and it works. And we'll see you at the movies. Agatha Christie, She Watched, is Teresa Peschel and Bill Peschel, produced by Bill Peschel. New episodes come out every week wherever you stream your content. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can help support us by going to anchor.fm backslash mystery and leaving a five-star rating and review and by helping to spread the word. To advertise on Mystery She Watched, email Peschel at peschelpress.com. All questions and comments can be emailed to peschel at peschelpress.com. And thank you for listening.